Well, uh, welcome. As the kids leave, I'm going to start off this morning by showing you a, a video clip uh, testimony, and uh, I'll comment on that. So, Kevin, if you're ready, you can roll that clip. When I was 16 years old, I had a, a very bad car wreck, and my best friend at the time uh, was in the back seat, and we got T-boned, and it split my car in half. My buddy got airlifted, and he was in a coma for three months, and uh, for three months, I didn't know if he was going to live or die. I put a lot of guilt on me, a lot of shame on me, thinking it was my fault. I just got mad at God, and I turned on God, and I said, I hate you, God, and I just said, forget living for God. I'm going to do my own thing. So the only way I knew how to numb the pain and how to deal with all this was to start partying. And I saw drugs as a way out. It just wasn't enough. It, it wasn't enough fun. It wasn't enough drugs. All of a sudden, I wake up two years from then, and I'm snorting cocaine. I'm doing Oxycontin. I supported my drug habit by stealing, selling drugs, however I could do it. I lived in fear a lot, thinking, man, these drugs should really mess me up one night. You know, I might have an overdose, or I might do a drug that I shouldn't do. And I, I always lived in fear, because I always knew what I should be doing. I always knew I should be living for God. I was doing drugs while I was playing high school basketball. I was even more hooked in college on drugs. I, I lived such a double life, where I had my coaches fooled, my parents fooled. They thought I was a good kid. Um, but on the side, all my friends knew me as, as a drug addict. I was at rock bottom, and I knew I had to go somewhere. Something had to change in my life. And I can remember walking into a church service called The Basement. I felt the presence of God for the first time in my whole life. And I felt God speak to my heart. And he said, Casey, he said, there's a heaven and there's a hell. Which one are you going to choose? I had been running from the call that God had on my life. I knew that God was real, and I needed to get it right that night. And I didn't want to leave there without him. I went up front to the altar. And I can remember crying out to God, just bowing down and crying and saying, God, if you can take these drugs away from me, if you can somehow clean me up, I know I'm a mess, I know I'm dirty, I know I'm a screw up and I've messed up, but if you can somehow change my life and fix me, I'll serve you to the day I die. And I gave my life to the Lord and I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And man, the coolest thing about it is I walked in that church a drug addict, but I didn't need a six month plan, no eighth month rehab. I made a one step to Jesus plan and he saved me, he delivered me, he set me free. And one night I have never been the same since. That night after, after the service, after I had an encounter with God, I remember calling a couple of my old buddies and I said, look, man, I can't hang out with you no more. Uh, I got saved tonight. If you want to hang out, you can come with me to church. Even after all the partying and all the drugs and all the cocaine and the wild stuff I've done, God still loved me. God still had a plan for me. He still wanted to use me. He didn't give up on me. I had an encounter with God and I had a satisfaction inside of me that I can't explain that I've never had before, that no drugs, no high have ever gotten me. I've never been so passionate about anything in my life as I am for God. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, I, I have mixed emotions uh, showing a clip like that. Let me just start off with what I really like about it. Uh, I really like the fact that we should all have a, a grid for God, that God can do the impossible at any point in, in our lives. It's not like reserved for, you know, somebody else. God can do an absolute miracle in your life. Uh, I, and, and I think that's you, you know, the point that I want to uh, emphasize. I ha however, having been to a bunch of youth events, um, I also know there's a downside to constantly showing uh, uh, clips or having exposure to this because it goes like this. For many of our kids that are brought up in the church, uh, they've lived a, a godly life. 
and they feel like they somehow missed out on something. Like you have to have this catastrophic like conversion. There has to be this dramatic thing which somebody like this kid Casey has experienced. And the kids that have grown up in the church and feel like, okay, they didn't experience that, and therefore they're missing out on something. So, you know, th that's the flip side. But uh, the thing that I, th one of the things I think I'd love you to get out of this message is God's grace uh, for us is just incredible. And uh, this guy's story really could be a story of many in our towns around here where we know that heroin is, is growing exponentially. And there's a lot of kids which are functioning really, really well. They're doing great athletically. They're doing well in academics, but they've got a major drug problem. Uh, and uh, y y there is a sense where, you know, can we call out to God and, and will He heal us? And I, I think we need to know that God can. However, for most people, if you've had a drug addiction, an alcohol addiction, a smoking addiction, or any other addiction, for most people, even Christians, you don't get this like miraculous story you wish you could you wish you could just like you know see see the light have the prayer and your life would just turn around uh, but for many it's a different track god says hey listen this is going to be a slower process i will be with you you will struggle but of course we delight in the fact that god can do the impossible that he can sort of flip a switch in us and we can go from being addicted to being set free and everywhere in the middle. You know, if that's your story, praise God, that's a wonderful story. If your story is that you're struggling and you're battling, you're struggling, you're battling, and God's with you, that's still a legitimate uh, story. But God's grace uh, is incredible, uh, and this clip sort of gathers that. It's not like this guy cleaned up his act first. It's not like uh, he became righteous. It's not like he did, like, you know, whatever. He came into the church... The way he was, a wreck, and he was desperately seeking God. And the church didn't kick him out. They didn't say, look, we don't take drug addicts, or, you know, you need to do a five-step plan first to look good, speak Christianese correctly, you know, and then we'll accept you. They just took him, and something miraculous happened. Now, the other thing I really like about that clip is he said when he walked into church, he experienced the presence of God. Now, for all of us, we can experience God's presence in different ways. But we know when we're experiencing the presence of God, where God is doing something in our lives. And when He is, it's an awesome thing. So uh, let me back it up for you and think about your own lives personally. What has God done? Don't answer me. Just like recall, what has God done in your life? Starting more recently and going backwards in your memory that you would say uh, is just the grace of God. I mean, it wasn't your good looks, your great intelligence, your hard work, uh, you know, whatever. It, it was just that God did something in your life. I mean, it, it could be, you, you know, you just are so grateful for the people that you work with or the division of the corporation that you happen to be in. You know, you wouldn't have figured that all out on your own, but as, you know, corporate mergers and, and reorgs happen, you just happen to be with a great bunch of folks and in the great sweet spot of the corporation. It might be that uh, you got a job in the first place that you just 
you just say, man, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful to God for how I even happened to get the job that, I, that you happen to have. You know, it wasn't like your super great intellect and your great qualifications. You just happen to be in the right place, the right time. You got a really great job. Uh, it might be like when you go further back or if you're one of the teenagers, you like get chosen for a team or you get chosen for a society or you get, you know, you apply to a university and despite your lack of like being able to get in, you get in. And you just think, man, you know, just like God's done something. I, you're just like really grateful or you, you can see that despite yourself, something really good has happened in your life. And, you know, God is delighted when we acknowledge His hand in our lives. Where we can see that, okay, God is at work. God did something. Uh, we couldn't have put all these pieces together and something awesome came out. You know, something really good happened to us. And so uh, what I want to uh, preach on today is really God's incredible grace for you that despite of yourself, God is just like really good and He's gracious towards you and He knows you and He knows your circumstances. Uh, he knows your, your kids. You know, you might uh, have like really awesome kids. And, you, and when you think back in your heart of hearts, uh, you can take a lot of credit for your good parenting. But honestly, when you peer that veneer back, you say, yeah, man, my parenting was good, but it wasn't that good. You know, my kids turned out like better than I deserved. You know, my kids are just like, like remarkable. You know, they picked up traits that I don't have. You know, I mean, you look back and you just like say, God, I'm just so thankful for my, my kids. I mean, that's a, that's a normal kind of response for acknowledging that it's more than just your great parenting. It's more than your great gene pool. You know, that all helps too. Great parenting, amen to that. But when you see like God's hand in it, we say, yes, thank you, God. Thank you for your incredible grace that you've uh, given us. Um, so let me just uh, pray as we jump in here. Lord, I just ask that as we just try and understand who you are, and we try and look at the different facets of who you are. Lord, sometimes you're severe. Sometimes you're so loving. Other times your grace is just incredible. Uh, at other times, Lord, we just acknowledge you just seem distant. But Lord, we're trying to figure out, like, how do we know you and have relationship with you and experience you on a regular basis? So Lord, I just pray uh, for your people today that in one way, shape, or form, they would experience you, that experience your love and your grace and who you are. And I lift up this service to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. If you're uh, following along in a, in a bulletin insert, the first point I want to make is this, that great grace, when you recognize grace, it leads to gratitude. There's a, there's a sense when when we see God doing awesome things in our lives, the, the correct response should be, thank you. Thank you, God. You know, I, I just, I'm so grateful for the things that you've, that you've done. And uh, from a biblical standpoint, I, I think there's like two big markers. The one area of gratefulness, uh, which most of you have experienced, uh, is this sense of eternal life. There's a sense of, 
okay, you can't control eternity. You can't control what happens when you die. But there's a sense that uh, by giving your life to the Lord, experiencing His love, there's an assurance of eternity. And from a biblical standpoint, this is like one of the, the big themes, and I'll preach on it like regularly because it's such a big theme, where we're so thankful for what Jesus has done uh, and the graces that He's extended to us that our eternal uh, life is taken care of. Uh, the other area of that would be because we know Christ, for those of us that know Christ, we can say it's not just eternity, but it's the present reality where we can experience God and God's goodness and God's grace and God's hand in our lives and how God directs us and leads us. And, you know, as uh, the Bible, the verse that uh, really was uh, leaning on, you know, Psalm 119, that the Word is a lamp to our feet, that when we read the Word, it's not just like you're reading a history book. You're reading a book that God is inspiring, that some connection happens as we read this. We connect with who God is, and the Spirit of God is you know, putting life on those pages and is putting, uh, like really said, a, a, a headlamp, a, a light to our path so we can be guided. There's something that we are, are grateful for. It's not just eternity. Uh, it, it certainly is eternity, but it's also a sense of, okay, God's at work in our lives today, and we are grateful for it. Uh, this grace leads to gratitude. But let me read Ephesians 2.5 uh, to you, and it says this, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He, when he raised Christ from the dead. And then it says, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. And then in a similar verse in Romans 5.8, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And uh, last week I was trying to press in on that. You know, if we get the fact that, uh, that God has done something great for us because we're not perfect, then we're really grateful. If we think we're really perfect... And then God just a little bit of, you know, small thing for us. Then it's like, okay, well, you know, our grace isn't that great. But if you've been a drug addict or, you know, any addict, and you've seen, you know, like this remarkable shift, I mean, you, you're just like so grateful. It's like, God, I, I know what a loser I was. A and yet, for average people, just because we're not, you know, didn't have a drug addiction, we don't get the severity of like how problematic we are in God's eyes. And yet, People that have had a problem and have seen God's relief, they are just so grateful. They, they, you know, there's just a response in them that is, God, you know, you're just, uh, just amazing. Your, your, your kindness is in incredible. Uh, this whole idea that God is doing something in our lives that we don't deserve. I mean, that's the grace part. We, we don't deserve it. And when we experience it, because we don't deserve it, we're just like so incredibly de delighted. You know, the, the, one of the most famous hymns is Amazing Grace. I mean, everybody knows Amazing Grace, and you don't have to be Scottish and wear a kilt and be at a funeral to, like, connect with the song. I mean, it's just something like that song has just stood the test of time because of the words of the song. Uh, but, you know, the story behind the, so the song John Newton is really a story about God's amazing grace. It's why he wrote it. You know, his story is briefly... Uh, his mom died when he was around seven, I think, and she was a Christian. 
And in that short time period, that mother was able to like get God's word into him. And then when she died, even though he then became like a really problematic teenager, I mean, he was like wayward. I mean, he was like a problem. And, uh, you know, finally he gets uh, conscripted into the Navy, the British Navy, and, you know, he runs away from that. Not a good deal. I mean, like, you know, your friends are after you because you're so bad, and the Navy's after you because you've run away. And, you know, he gets into the, uh, where he can get employment on the slave trade, and uh, he's dealing with, with slaves, and he's treated pretty badly himself. Uh, when he was on these ships, I mean, he's like clothes are ragged. He's begging for food. I mean, he's hit the bottom, and he's still a teenager. I mean, he's like hasn't even grown up, you know. And then finally, his way out is to be a captain and be a slave trader. And he's going backwards and forward to Africa and dealing with slaves. And uh, you know, the turnaround point for him was this huge storm just off the coast of Ireland. And he's like, okay, it, it, it's lights out, it's, it's game over, it's, it's finished. But somehow or other, uh, what his mother had taught him when he was a young kid, and in his desperation, just seeing slave trade and being involved in slave trade, you know, he's reading some spiritual readings. Imitation of Christ, uh, Thomas Akemis. You know, he's reading this stuff, and he's like, God, who are you, and where are you, and, and how do I connect with you? And uh, as this boat is about to sink, you know, he prays, God, I just like, save me. You know, just, I, I, I can't do it. I'm not a great guy. I haven't lived a great life. I'm actually a complete loser. Uh, you know, I've messed up everything I've done, and the ship's about to sink. But God, just like, I, I don't know if you're out there anywhere, somewhere, just save me. And then God does the miraculous. He, the storm calms down, the ship is spared, and you know, unlike, say, many of you and I, he doesn't just forget about that experience that, oh, that was nice, let's just carry on our lives. He like, that was a transforming experience for him. And then he feels like really guilty about his involvement in the slave trade. And now it's, you know, William Wilberforce, and he's trying to deal with uh, getting rid of slavery, and he becomes a clergy. And, uh, you know, finally, he like cleans up his act and writes, these great hymns, hymns, Amazing Grace. And, you know, his life is totally transformed. Uh, so he can write a hymn like that because on the one hand, he's saying, in my own experience, I'm a total wretch like me. And yet, God, you, you saved me. Not, I didn't clean up my act. You saved me. And it, it captures the whole essence of God's just amazing grace. The second point that I want to make here is grace gives life. I mean, there's like a, there's a natural um, cycle here. If we get God's grace, there's a sense of God gives us, involves, gets involved in our life. He does something that we can't do. We recognize God's hand in it. And as we recognize that, it gives us life. It, it, likes, it like awakens something in us. It, it, it awakens God's love for us. Uh, and this awakening of this love then is boiling up within us and we like can't really contain it and there's a sense of okay we got to like share it or we got to serve god in some way uh, that's a normal natural cycle so we experience god's grace he does something that we don't deserve it awakens a sense of love within us god's love and then it's natural for us to want to either share God's love or introduce other people to God's love or to serve God 
because of his love. And uh, John Newton's Amazing Grace story would be exactly that. He's just, you know, okay, I become a clergy. I, I join the Church of England. I just, like, have to do something to serve God. And, uh, you know, you folks hear of many stories which are in a similar way. You just, God has touched us. And, you know, if I read another two verses for you in a similar way, uh, we kind of get it. Look at this, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And for many of you, like, I get it. I mean, I know this. You know, all I had to do was believe. I just had to believe. And then it says, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So no one, no one of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. You see, there we've got, we got this grace. It's nothing to do with us. We connect with God. And then all of a sudden we realize, wait a bit. There's more to this. God has planted. He's created us. He's given us a personality where we get satisfaction when we do good things for God. And we now are doing it not because we're feeling guilty. It's not because I'm standing up here saying, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to, you need to clean up your act, you need to. No, it's because I want to, I want to. God has been so incredibly loving to me that I just want to, I need to, I like need to because I, I, I need a release valve. And that's what's going on here. And then you realize, wait a bit, we're all unique. God has given each one of us you know, different gifts and different ways of releasing this uh, joy, this grace that we've received. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.10. It says this, But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out His special favor on me. Now, of course, it's the Apostle Paul talking. And he said it's not without results. Uh, and this part of the verse I really like. He says this, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Okay, now just like pause there for a moment. I mean, it's, it's got a whole bunch of <laughs> weirdness there, right? It's like, okay, I'm bragging because like, I can really work harder and I'm like really better than all the other apostles and I'm like really a good guy. Okay, it's got that connotation. But on the other hand, it's like there's a reality there. It's like, no, listen, I bust my chops. You know, I'm like, there's no, no time for idleness. I'm like motivated. I'm highly wired for God. I'm a you know, type A personality, and I'm going to spend my whole life just like serving God. And you know, when the last breath of my life is breathed, I'm like finished. I'm just like wiped out, and I'm, that's going to be awesome. And that was the Apostle Paul. Uh, and so the, reading the rest of the, the sentence, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by His grace. Yeah, that's the point. It's not us. It's God. It's us making ourselves available to God and experiencing God's grace and experiencing that love being awakened in us and our desire to uh, want to do that. Uh, you know, somebody explained this to me this way, and it's a sad truth. But they said, you know, in church, often we feel like we're drawn in by God's grace. And then we hang around for a while and we feel like we get killed by church's legalism. And I, I thought about that and I thought, 
yeah, it's uncomfortable being a leader of a church and hearing something like that. Because it goes like this. You know, we say, hey, like this story we just read, come in, drug addict, you know, come in and receive, experience God's love. And then once somebody's experienced God's love, then we're like, come on real heavy. And we say, okay, now you need to do this, and now you need to do that, and you need to dress this way, and you need to be at the prayer meeting, you blah, blah, blah. And next time the person's like, oh, oh, oh geez, oh, oh, you know. And uh, some churches are like really heavy on this stuff. You know, they like invent a whole bunch of things that aren't even in the Bible, like, you know, you're not allowed to have any alcohol in your house and don't go to the movies and, and don't wear dresses to, or do wear dresses to church. Don't wear pants. And, you know, you, you go to a place like the Dominican Republic and you see this stuff firsthand. It's like, it's absolutely staggering. Uh, I remember, I, I repeated this because it was so shocking to me. I remember having this experience. I'm praying for this woman and uh, she, she needed physical healing for something. I can't remember what it was. And, and I'm busy praying for this woman. And this little kid comes up and he starts, he, he, he's like yanking at my shirt. And I was like, what's up? And, you know, he had to get translated. He said, that's my mother you're praying for. You can't pray for her. And I'm like, oh, geez. I mean, okay, what's up? He said, she's wearing, she's wearing an earring. And I'm like, okay, so like, what's up? Uh, you know, what am I? Don't pray for my mother. She's wearing an earring. And I'm like, I just didn't get the connection. I'm like, so, so what's up? And what he was trying to tell me is not, okay, in their church circles, that was like totally forbidden. I mean, you know, just no earrings, no lipstick, no makeup, no, no, no. Because they, they'd have all these rules about what a Christian should look like and act like and be like. And so from his, this kid's perspective, even though it's his mother, and even though I'm praying for healing, he just didn't want me to pray for her because she wasn't like, you know, acting up the way he should act up. You know, we call that legalism. Now, you know, I, we'd like to think of ourselves as a church which doesn't press heavily into that legalism. We're not pressing heavily into telling you things which are outside of the Bible on how to live. If you want to go see movies, go see movies. If you want to go dance, go dance. I mean, there was a whole period in church history where that was just like forbidden because people just thought, well, good, respectable Christians don't do that stuff. You know, and from our standpoint, it's like, look, just come as you are, you, you know, don't murder anybody. Just be nice, you know, like, <laughs> just like follow Jesus, you know. Let's try not add all these other things on. Uh, I'm not going to make you sign a whole bunch of legal agreements about, you know, what you can and can't do to be part of this church. Anyway, uh, the other part of when we encounter grace, uh, the grace of God, is just really how undeserved that is. And it's actually shocking to us. And uh, one of the reasons why the, that movie, Les Miserables, or Les Miserables, if you French or something, some version of that, if you language specific. Huh? You want to pronounce it? I got it. Anybody French here that wants to like, give a good? Les Miserables. Les Miserables. <laughs> Can anybody better that version? Thank you. Uh, I don't want French Canadian. I want Paris Can, can Paris French. Okay, whatever. True French. All right. I've got a little clip here I want to show you from this movie. Many of you have seen it. But again, this just captures like how ridiculous it is when we see grace uh, at work. Hey. Come and 
suffer, you are weary. And the night is cold out here. Though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share. There is wine here to revive you. There is bread to make you strong. There's a bed to rest till morning. Rest from pain and rest from wrong. Bless the food we eat today. Bless our dear sister and our honored guest. Silver, we caught this man red-handed. Get the nerve to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot. I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? Monsieur, release him. This man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty. Now God's blessing go with you. But remember this, my brother. See in this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man by the witness of the martyrs by the passion and the blood God has raised you out of darkness I have saved your soul for <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, we, you're familiar with the movie. Many of you have seen the movie, and yet you still, you know, you look at it again, and it's like, okay, this is just, like, incredible. I mean, there's just some part of it's like, okay, uh, that's ridiculous grace. I mean, how does the, the priest, like, you know, how does he get himself to do this? And yet, again, when the great things about the movie, as you know, this becomes a transforming moment for him. He, he, he experiences God's grace. He experiences God's love. And later on, he can't contain it. So, 
you watch the movie, you realize, okay, he then allows grace to somebody on somebody else later on. I mean, he just can't contain it. Now, we feel very uncomfortable about grace. I mean, there's some part of it where it's like, okay, but isn't that like just too good to be true? And when we're on the receiving end of it, it's like awesome. When, it's, when we're on the giving end of it, man, we get like conflicted with a lot of things. Like, that's a little bit too extravagant. Uh, like, what about God's justice? Like, am I doing the right thing here? Uh, isn't like punishment, like wouldn't that be a, a better attitude here? Uh, shouldn't we like first expect the guy to acknowledge that he was a thief? Uh, shouldn't there be a sense of, okay, recognize what you've done wrong. Uh, how about you then repent? And then I'll just offer like, okay, I, I forgive you. I mean, that would be another facet. Uh, but when we just experience God's like unmerited favor, just like His incredible grace, we are getting in touch, we're getting in tune with another facet of who God is. God has this aspect of us which is just like incredibly, incredibly generous, gracious, undeserved. And that clip like pulls at us because man that really captures what it's like to be giving grace to be on the receiving end of grace uh, your mind is running on the side like okay what about justice and and then i'm as a church leader i'm thinking imagine if i did that you know and i started like just giving away all the stuff and you guys saying but i gave you money to like do this stuff and you just like giving it to some loser and then my luck, I'd be giving it to some guy that's like not at all going to turn around, right? I'd just like, okay, I'll give you a car, I'll give you the stuff, I'll give you more stuff, and the guy just is a drug addict and he just keeps doing it, you know? And then you guys be like, hey, I, I gave you good money, and that's what you do with it? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm just trying to extend God's grace. I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, this, this, you, you see what I'm wrestling with? I mean, it's like God's grace is just like, it's incredible. But there's a whole, your, your mind just starts like, how does this work in practice? But we all want to experience God's grace. When we come to the point that we stuck and uh, we want to say to God, look, I don't deserve it, but I want to receive it. We're in a really, really, really good place because only God can really offer and extend that incredible grace. And just like Jesus ran amok with all the religious people and with all the establishment people, when he was like offering grace and love towards people that everybody else didn't think they deserved it, that's what got him into a lot of trouble. And only God and only Jesus can say, I extend this grace. And I want to just say that uh, to many of you today, that there is a sense where God is saying to you, I just want to extend my grace to you. There is a time when uh, we as a church have to wrestle with people in the church which have offended us or our kids have offended us. And there's, a, there's an appropriate time where we say, you know what, God's grace is sufficient. I, I, I don't need to get a full blown uh, you know, forgiveness. I, I just need to uh, acknowledge that 
okay, this whole situation is whatever it is, and I, I just extend grace to you. You know, can we start again? There's something awesome about that. And yet there's other times when it's appropriate when we say, no, no, you need to like get in touch with what you've done. And there does need to be a sense of, uh, you know, forgiveness going on here. Uh, but God's grace for us, when we're on the receiving end, is, is, is absolutely incredible. We all need it. We all uh, desire it. We all say, God, uh, you know, if you can do that in my life, I'll just be uh, so thankful for you. Um, but we can't demand grace be given to us from another person. I can't go to you and say, look, I, I just, just give me grace. It's the other way around. You can extend grace to me. You can say, look, Rob, I, you know, you've really messed up as usual, but I just like extend my grace to you. And I, and I can just say, well, I'm just, I'm just so thankful. But I can't come up to you and say, I demand that you like offer grace to me. You know, I know I've messed up, but you, I, I demand you. It's like, that doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Uh, but God is saying to us, when it comes to eternal life, when it comes to our everyday ordinary life right here, God is saying, part of who I am is I want to extend my grace to you again and again and again. And what God is asking for you in response is to just say, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I remember it. God, I will talk about it. That's what God's asking. It's a natural response. So let me just uh, ask the worship team to come on up and let me just uh, close in, in, a, in a prayer for you. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that uh, when we go through struggles, you tell us that your grace is sufficient for us. Uh, and Lord, I, I just uh, mindful that when the apostles would write letters to each other or when they communicate to each other, again and again they would finish, Lord, with the phrase that you gave them. May our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So Lord Jesus, I just extend your love, your grace, and your peace upon your people. And Lord, whatever is uh, boiling up within them, whatever is creating anxiety, whatever is a stress point in their lives, Lord, I pray for your grace and your peace. And Lord, I just pray in our church that we are a church that as people we experience your grace and your peace with you and with each other. In your name, Jesus. Amen.